Speaking of breaking, how about a little breaking news? This is CNN Breaking News. Coming in from the beard himself, uh, GetGamesGo.com. Never even heard of it, but I guess they're known. GetGamesGo.com is having a 75% off Linux game sale. And some of them are just Steam codes. Some of them are direct downloads. Some of them are DRM-free. Some of them aren't. Anyways, I'll have a link in the pre-show. I don't know how long the they, I don't know how long it's going on. They take Visa, Mastercard, and PayPal, and it's getgamesgo.com and seventy five percent off Linux game sale. Thought I'd mention it. Check it out. See, see what I do for you. Now you can go get some gaming going for your seventy five percent off. No, no, that didn't work for you. All right, okay. I'm them. just scrolling through the list. All right, how about this one? All right, jumping out. All right, here we this go. This is here we go. CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and you're in the Situation Room. Guys, I'm here reporting on scene at GetGamesGo.com, where I can report there is indeed some sort of catastrophe going on. I believe it is a cyber attack, a glitch in the computer. All Linux games are 75% off. Situation. Situation. That's right, Wolf. This is quite the situation. We recommend you go over to GetGamesGo.com. I'd never heard of them before, but holy crap, 75% off. Hackers be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You like that one better? Actually, it's it's gotten me kind of interested to go to that website now. <laughs> so uh, I saw uh, Wimpy posted, uh, uh, or someone posted some screenshots of uh, Mate on PPC. Yeah, that's pretty popular, isn't it? Wimpy, what's going on there? What the hell? What what did I do? Oh, um, uh, PPC. PPC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is not something that I've had a huge amount of involvement in. This is... Um, community developments so a couple of people in the ubuntu mate community have ported ubuntu mate to power pc hmm. and this whole underculture of people that are sitting on power pc equipment have suddenly turned up and we've we've reinvigorated these computers that you know previously were struggling for a decent operating system. So, so there's these guys turning up with uh, PowerPC G4s, PowerPC G5s, and Amiga X1000s, and all sorts of funky stuff. Uh, people and, are just hanging uh, on to these old Macs, and then they're just putting Linux on it. Well, not just not just old Macs, but you know other 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 equipment that's based oh. on PowerPC. Okay. Um, there's you know like anything. Um, you know, we all gravitate to something that, you know, at some point we really love. I still have a real soft spot for the IBM ThinkPad 760, which came out in about 1998. Hmm. And it's an old piece of cruft now, but it was the first really decent computer I had. Yeah. So I, I think of it fondly. And I imagine these guys that have got these PowerPC equipment, they know it and they're able yeah. to make it work for them. And, and some of those G5 um, yeah. rigs that they've got are really quite pokey. And were you know, very they're, expensive, they're, though. Some of those G5 rigs they yeah. bought, you know, they might have spent eight grand on some of those high-end production rigs. Yeah, and, and, you know, these guys that have got eight core systems with eight gigs of RAM. So back then, this would have been, you know, a significant investment. And, um, yeah, they've got um, Ubuntu Mate running on it with uh, QMU running, and they're doing, you know, multiple Ubuntu Mate sessions running within there. They've got all the 3D gaming going, uh, the whole the whole nine yards. So what I'm working on at the moment, so I've I've actually bought an iBook G4, off what? eBay second hand <laughs> yeah 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 to help to yeah. help with the power pc testing and uh last week or the week before did the power pc enablement in the official canonical build infrastructure for ubuntu mate wow so i don't know if we're going to get over the finish line but we've started to put all the bits in places so th- to introduce it as an official wow. official architecture that though wow i mean when you go down that route that is big that's a that's a new arm of the distro and pe- wow although you know i think about it um uh, there is an old g4 tower that is kicking around here somewhere that just it does nothing because it does it's worthless if i could throw linux isos on it, isos isos available isos are available hmm. you could say that it's impressive Oh, don't. This is what all my school teachers used to put on my school reports, thinking that they were being clever and original. What was it? What was <laughs> it? Hey, Rob, did, did, you see it? did you hear that? Wimpy basically called you a dick then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he totally did. He totally did. No, I'll see myself out. It's okay. <laughs> oh. 
Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's getting ready to flip some old power PC equipment on the side to fund its RV ambitions. My name is Chris. And my name is Matt. One of these days, Matt, I will be broadcasting this very show from the road. I can't I can't even I can't even say it's gonna happen before episode one hundred, Matt. One day. One day. Chris will be <laughs> in, in the Jupiter Broadcasting Mobile Studio, broadcasting the unplugged show. Uh, and we'll have like a real lug meetup with real in-person microphones. Uh, this week, we're going to have a great show. Uh, a project that you may or may not be familiar with, and maybe not familiar with as well as you should be, is the Arch Linux ARM project. Now, I don't really know what you would use Arch on an ARM device for, but I have a few ideas. So one of the members is going to join us to give us a little bit of background, tell us what some people out there use Arch and ARM devices for. And we're going to pick his brain, and uh, we're also going to have the Mumble Room ask any questions they might have. And then uh, in the second half of the show, something we've talked a lot about is delivering applications on Linux, something where you could make an application and move it across distributions, maybe have it secured from the rest of the system, sandbox, so that way if the application has an exploit, it can't really go very far. Well, this week, we saw the first demo of a fully sandbox application on the Linux desktop, thanks to advancements on Wayland. Uh, and a lot of other things that we'll get into. And it was actually a video game, a OpenGL video game that was fully sandboxed, fully portable, and demoed this week on Linux. And we're going to talk about that and how far out it might be. It might be closer than you think. Uh, so uh, to get started, Matt, why don't we uh, bring in that mumble room? Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Hey. Hello. 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 Hello from hello. Trinidad. Hi. Hi. Well, hello. Trin- hello. Hello from Trinidad. <laughs> uh, so uh, well, why don't we get started uh, front and center? Let's put Popey right up there on the spot. Uh, I just wanted to pick Uh-oh. your brain, Popey, on any updates. Uh, since we talked, the uh, the launch happened. The flash sale was very flashy. And um, I'm just curious if uh, you got any updates for us on how it's gone and if maybe we're going to see any future sales. Yeah, we had a flash sale for the Ubuntu phone, the first Ubuntu phone, the BQ, um, last week on Wednesday, just after the the show where we discussed it. And uh, hence all the yeah, sales. They sold, yeah, the, yeah, they sold out pretty quick uh, in the morning, oh, and um, <clears throat> they, so they've uh, they ran another sale in the afternoon, and they sold a load then as well. And um, I think they sold out in minutes, you know, really stupidly quickly. I don't think they quite anticipate, anticipated how many people were going to buy them, but um, there'll be more flash sales. There'll be one this week at some point, BQ mm. have suge- said. So uh, keep an eye on the Ubuntu Twitter account and the BQ Readers Twitter account for more info. Any early re- feedback or responses or anything like that? Are you guys just sort of like listening and collecting data right now? What's going on right now at Canonical HQ after the phone finally ships? Yeah. Or I guess it hasn't shipped yet, so, but sales have gone out. So I guess they're not right. – we don't really have them in consumers' hands until, what, a month or so? Well, some are. There's 30 right. of them uh, right. for the people who came to London. And they've been giving us loads of feedback. You know, some of it we didn't go and ask for. They just started posting photos <laughs> and screenshots and, you know, problems that they've had or, you know, things they've liked. And we've been gathering all this information, like, you know um, – stalking them all on their social media accounts to see what they're posting and you know, gather that feedback and give it back to the developers. But also some of them have been filing bugs and giving us log files and stuff when there are problems. So it's been it's been a really useful exercise because they're, they're using it in the real world. Mm-hmm. Now, Wimpy, you had a question that uh, those of us maybe with a Nexus 4 or Nexus 5 device want to know about. Yeah. Um, uh, I've noticed, so I've got the Nexus 4. Um, which I've just had for a few days because I, I w- w- wasn't successful in the flash sales last week and I wanted to learn more. So I've noticed there are some differences with what the Nexus 4 ships with versus what the BQ ships with. For example, the the, the scopes implementation on the BQ phone seems to be a little bit more tightly integrated and it's got this today scope. And I was wondering if Canonical are going to bring that same software enablement to the other devices uh so yeah they should be uh the i mean the idea is that each um manufacturer or carrier or oem can um tailor the experience and add their little layer on the top and some of what you might see in screenshots and videos of the bq phone might be bq specific stuff you know for spain or for um bq's customers or based on deals that bq have with partners and that that kind of stuff we probably wouldn't put on other devices but the generic stuff like the today scope and and nearby and other stuff then that should go into the store and it should be available to anyone Mm. it just it just hasn't yet been done i did ask you you asked me earlier on telegram and i pinged everyone and uh, (laughs) they said it's it's currently in process yeah i'm being a bit of a stooge here but you know it was it was topical for me i have to say 
uh, having played with it, I get the scopes concept, and I'm just disappointed there are not more scopes built in for the core apps. Mm. So, because uh, they're really so. Here's a bit of feedback for you, Popey. Scopes to me are like a, a cross between widgets on Android and Google Now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I live outside North America, but Google Now for me is completely pointless. It doesn't actually do anything useful. It doesn't tell me anything that I want to know. So consequently, I go to great lengths to disable it on my Android devices. And I have to say, in just a couple of days of using Ubuntu phone, Scopes actually deliver the promise of what i thought google now was supposed to do was Hmm. which was to keep me informed about the things that i wanted to know about because i'm i've chosen to follow it or because it's geolocated around me and uh, and it it makes me aware of my surroundings Hmm. i'd like to see more scopes particularly things like the there's a decent text messaging app but there's no scope for it. And the killer app on, on Ubuntu phone, as far as I'm concerned, is Telegram because mm-hmm. I've moved all of my immediate friends and family over to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a scope for that and an app for that, and it's brilliant. But the text messaging app lacks a scope. And I there's feel it a needs scope one. for Telegram? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So it shows you most, your most recent uh, messages and the people you contact the most, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that that's we, we made a change in the way that apps are packaged so that you can bundle an app and a scope together ah. at the same time. Ah. So when you install, when a, a user or a customer installs it, they get both and they share the same data set. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that Telegram is an example of one of those. And I agree with you. We need more of those. Yeah, that's fascinating. I can't wait to play with it. On an actual device. And we won't know anything about that till like more like June, right? Is that That's kind of the word. What, for the U.S. market? Yeah, I think uh, Christian Perino teased to um, OMG Ubuntu uh, a couple of weeks ago that um, we, we, we hope to announce something in June mm. for the U.S. market. Mm. <sighs> Makes me oh, so far away, Bobby. Here's <laughs> 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 my one. Sorry. That's all right. It, it turns out making phones is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who would have thought, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so I wanted to kind of spend a moment to reflect positively upon Linux uh, as a general bit of real-time feedback as an exercise from the chat room and the mumble room. Uh, and uh, I- I'll start, and then uh, I- I'll have maybe Matt chime in with uh, something yeah. that he would miss. So every now and then, you have to spend a little time away from Linux. Less and less these days, but every now and then it happens. Maybe let's just say for the sake of argument you're on the Windows platform, so that way we can all just kind of focus on one thing. What is it you miss the most from Linux? I was inspired by a thread I saw a day ago on our Linux, and it's a lot of great responses. And I would like to be curious about your response. So I'll tell you mine. Just as like one of the first things I notice when I sit down at a Windows box that I miss when I'm sitting down at a Linux desktop is that the uh, you have to click to focus and then scroll in order to get scroll to work. Like you can't just bring your mouse over any random window and scroll it under Windows. It has to be a focused window in order for the scroll to work. It turns out I use that all the time with multiple windows and stuff. I I always am scrolling windows without wanting to actually click them. Like maybe I have my web browser up and I'm also looking through a a directory, but I want my web browser to be the active window, but I still want to be able to scroll the list of the the file directory. You can't do that in Windows. you got to click the Explorer window and then scroll it. That is... Just like one of the first things, like there's a million things, but like in terms of like things that bug me when I move away from Linux, that's one of the first. Matt, do you have one that comes to mind? You can do that. I think the most annoying thing to me personally would definitely have to be the fact that I can't just do a a couple button clicks and get the launcher that I want. Or even just the menu layout in general is just obnoxious. I mean, that's been the big stuff that I've noticed. Yeah, were you thinking Popey, uh, what, like KitKat? Because there's like a program. No, there were, uh, I mean, years ago, I used to do focus follows mouse or sloppy focus or whatever oh, you call yeah, it. Yeah. On Windows yeah. 2000, there was a yeah. tweak yeah. for it from... from focus follows uh, mouse, though, the, is... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that's what basically what you're... Yeah, you can either have it raise the window or not. And if you have it not raise the window, put your mouse over it and scroll. What, but, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not built in. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. And it didn't work all the time. What about, right. uh, what about I, you? I Pope? love that. When you're not on the Linux desktop, what are you missing the most? Uh, opening a terminal with Control Alt T, yeah, because <laughs> I just find myself doing that all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, m- uh, Wimpy, you too. M- uh, terminal. Yeah, yeah. The, the terminal is the best hotkey utility yeah. ever created. So fire up a terminal, and then you can just ping off and manipulate everything on the system from 
a few keystrokes and yeah. it's deeply frustrating to not have that on windows yeah one of the nice things about it basically every linux desktop now is there's a built-in launcher of some kind and you know it, it's some of them are better than others and then it's and it, 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 nothing like that you have the start menu but it's not quite the same thing eric do you have any that jump out at you for things you miss when you step away from linux uh yeah well he mentioned the terminal thing i also was thinking about um you know in terms of the terminal, I was just thinking it's nice to have that F12 for like Yakwake or Gwake for the terminals to pop, just pop down. So like, if I need to get to the command line, I have to type Windows R. Yeah, yeah. To and, open that up. So yeah. it's just, it, it, it gets really aggravating, but also being able to tile my windows where I want them. Windows Arrow Snap only does the left or the right halves. It won't do it in quadrants at all. And... I like that. Person. You know, the big one, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned the obvious one, package management. Oh, duh. Right. Yeah. How did I not mention? Oh, my God. I feel ashamed now. And then, of, yeah. course, and then of course, another big one is uh, the virtual desktops. The Windows is getting those things as well. I mean, 10 is uh, addressing a lot of these things, isn't it? I believe also the scroll wheel thing is fixed in 10. It does, but it doesn't really properly address package management. They still miss I, the I, proper launcher, though. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, surprisingly, thing I miss in Windows is Pulse Audio. Really? Yeah, right. Really, really. really. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I can send it over the network instead of it just being on one machine easily as well. So, and how easily and how often do you actually take advantage of that feature? Honestly. Not often, but it's a neat feature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, so even along sometimes. those lines, uh, being able to quickly change your input or output de- mm-hmm. device when it comes to audio, you can't do that very easily in Windows. You can't. You have to go yeah. up into the. You, you have to go into the control panel and mess with a few things, and yeah, you can't yeah. do like simultaneous outputs or simultaneous inputs or anything like that. You you have to choose one, stick with it. Very interesting, gentlemen. All right, so uh, moving on. I just uh, I'll link to the main thread in our Linux. They had a whole bunch of good ones in there. Uh, package management was the one that jumped out at me, and then of course, millions of other things. I, nobody said wobbly windows, unfortunately. I'm sure. Yeah, desktop cube. Okay, very good. <laughs> Yeah, burning your windows when you close them, that kind of that stuff. That was cool. Yeah, that still, not was, Matt, not was, <laughs> is cool in my world, Matt, is cool. Hey, you know what else is cool? Uh-huh. Our uh, first sponsor this week, that's Linux Academy. Head over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and get our special 33% discount. Linux Academy is a great resource to go train yourself up on something. They have step-by-step video courses with everything you're going to learn, downloadable comprehensive study guides, the uh, uh, a lot of the materials you can just download and pop like in your MP3 player and uh, listen in the shower or listen on the road as a podcast. It's great supplemental learning material. They have learning plans so you can set your availability. They have seven plus distros you get to choose from, and all of the courseware will adjust to those distributions. And they have some really good stuff because the thing is, is the guys behind Linux Academy are really passionate about the source material. They don't run courses on Photoshop. They don't run courses on AutoCAD. They focus in on this material because this is their world. Linux enthusiasts, educators, and developers came together to create Linux Academy. And it's successful because of that. Because once you get in there, once you start using their dashboard and see how easily it is to wrap your head around what you're going to have to do, how each section is broken out, how they have all of the courseware, how everything's kept up to date. If there's changes in Docker, they make those changes in their courseware. They have live streams where you can ask the educator questions, and those educators are currently up to, they're up to date. They're deploying this stuff. And you get to deploy this stuff, too, because they have scenario-based labs. So if you're going to go do an Nginx implementation with it, like an Amazon S3 backend storage, they're going to have a scenario that actually has you use those utilities, including provisioning that storage and setting that up and getting all of that to work with every application you're going to be using to do that storage and talk to S3. It's, it's it, You actually get to work with this stuff, so you have a real idea of how to use it when you're out in the real world. And you're ready to go get trained, and they have a good community, too, that constantly helps lift you up if you slow down a little bit. And really, I think one of the other things that I've liked a lot about is I can go in there and kind of jump around and see what's new and interesting to me. Uh, because I honestly really haven't had a chance to play with some of the stuff as I've got out of uh, consulting a little while ago, and it's great. Or like when I'm ready to jump into a new language like Ruby or Python, they have courseware on that, including a whole set of courseware on AWS. I mean, they've really got some great stuff. And uh, they're adding stuff like uh, new live labs two to three times a week right now. And they uh, also have a, a accounts for groups. So if you, add a little, if you have a business and you want to have a, a, a group of you on there, that's a great way to work together. They've got Python, OpenStack, Android, Linux courseware, Red Hat-specific stuff, which is always extremely valuable, PHP, Android. It's really good. DevOps, Ruby. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I just go over there from time to time and just check out some of the new stuff because they're always adding stuff, and they're really good about updating the community in the news section when you log in. Just go try out the dashboard. So go to linuxacademy.com unplugged and go poke around. 
it's a great opportunity to take it up to the next notch. And they've got lots of great resources for you to try it out. Uh, and I want to do a little PSA. So uh, this weekend is Scale. And uh, I don't know how many folks, uh, let's see, uh, anybody in the Mumble Room going to be at Scale this weekend? It's going to be February 19th to the 22nd. Nobody. No, but one of my coworkers is. Okay, very good. Uh, well, uh, Noah will be there. He'll be there uh, this weekend, and he'll be there Sunday live during the Linux Action Show. So you can uh, hunt him down. Uh, so S- Scale is the uh, 13th. This is going to be the 13th annual Southern California Linux Expo. It's going to be at the Hilton Los Angeles Airport. And uh, you can bump into Noah and say hi to him. And he'll be tweeting from his uh, Twitter account, at Colonel Linux, for, uh, where he's currently ranting about how much he hates PayPal. <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know no, I'm going to give been that there. a favorite. I'm going to give that a favorite yeah. right there. I think yeah. I might as well. Yeah. I've been I've been on that side of it. <laughs> oh, me too. oh, you've done something odd. That we're just going to go and hold on to your stuff forever. Yeah. Yep. So he'll be tweeting if you want to meet up with him. And then during the Linux Action Show, he's going to try to do it live from the floor. And if you can get a hardwired connection, hey, if anybody from Scale is listening and uh, you want to hook Noah up with a, a hardwired connection, we here would really appreciate that because he wants to give you free coverage live from the floor. And he's also going to be there conducting interviews. So uh, if you are uh, there and want to hook up with Noah, you can email him, Noah at Jupiter Broadcasting dot com and uh talk with him and uh he'll probably get you on camera and then so here's this is a good time for me to mention this so this because we're doing this uh scale is landing um during the beard apocalypse uh, i don't know if you guys <laughs> know about this but we are currently going starting starting friday jupiter broadcasting goes nearly dark there's a beard apocalypse we are running on a reduced staff Reduce staff next week, and so I feel like we need like an evil bumper. Sound yeah, for this. I, I, I do, I do have a few things. I could try out a few things, and no, Matt won't be able to hear him. But Erica, here, you tell me, uh, tell me if you think, uh, is that appropriate? No, no. Okay, how about this one? Nah, next nah, week nah. is Jupiter Broadcasting's Beard Apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, Perfect. all right, so it's the, it's, it's the beard apocalypse <laughs> next week. And uh, so there's going to be a reduced uh, show load next week. You'll, you'll hear more about that soon. And one of the things we're doing is Linux Action Show on Sunday's release is going to be a uh, retro-blasted action of the Linux Action Show where we've gone back through your best-of submissions, dusted off the ones that didn't suck, and then we kind of gave them a massage and then put them in a righteous position of hindsight and then allowed you to rewatch them. You're welcome. And I show up from time to time with uh, random a- anecdotes and tell you about people I love. So that'll be on Sunday's <laughs> Linux Action Show that'll get released into the feeds. We will be live, though, on Sunday, doing scale coverage. We just will not be releasing it that Sunday. It'll be the following Sunday where we do a scale extravaganza and we put all of Noah's on-location live coverage and pre-recorded interviews in one episode. We make it the Master Scale episode, and that'll be it. So if you followed all of that, good job. If you didn't follow all of that, Screw you. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. It's, it's complicated. <laughs> Welcome to the world of production. Uh, and then, then let's talk about something that's really going to rock. And I don't even need to ask the Mumble Room because I know every single one of those Mo's in the, in the Mumble Room is going to be at Linux Fest Northwest in Bellingham, Washington, April 25th to the 26th. We're going to try to get as much of the Jupiter Broadcasting crew out there and have as big of a party as possible. If you want to party with us, you better show up early because I think we're going to be partying Friday night. And then Saturday and Sunday, we'll do a live Linux action show on Sunday. Saturday, I plan to kind of get up and go around and maybe not sit at the booth the whole day this time. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we're going to have – we're going we're gonna to try to get extra space, Matt, so we can have a good spot for How To Linux and Women's Tech Radio. And we'll be doing some interviews cool. for, for some shows at Linux Fest Northwest. So that's going to be a big show to go to. And <laughs> most of the Jupiter Broadcasting crew is going to be at that one. So if you want to hi- say hi to people and – uh, we'll have swag there, of course, and all that kind of stuff. We'll have stuff to give away, and it's going to be a good show. So you can book it now if you want. It's April 25th and the 26th, Bellingham, Washington. It's going to be a pretty good party. And no yeah. food illness. This will be the second year in a row. I'm going to make sure it's going to uh, happen. I'm going to wear I'll be the guy in the really weird mask. I still remember that one year like it was yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I just I had, a, I had a quick question while we have everybody okay, assembled. Okay. Came in. Yeah, I know. It came in from the subreddit from RDP5008. Hey, guys. I finally decided to try Quake, and I'm loving it. Now, if you're watching the video version, boom, that's Quake right there. Bam, bam, bam. It just drops right down. Uh, it's a terminal that I just hit with my tilde key. Bam, there's Quake. Boom, there it is. Uh, and he says, I've been seeing some alternatives in random posts online. Is Quake the original, or are there other worthy alternatives? Please educate me. I'm running Linux Mint 17 Cinnamon on my laptop, Arch with GNOME on my desktop, and Ubuntu 1404, Ubuntu on my HTPC, and I want me some drop-down terminals. So he was curious about drop-down terminal alternatives, and I realized I'm kind of a Quake bigot, I guess. I've never looked outside of Quake, Gosh. unless I'm on KDE. 
Yeah, right. I, I think I'm going to fall in the same category. All right, Wimpy, you know of one, right? I know of two others. Yeah, lay it on one me, in brother. particular. Okay. Okay. Um, there's one called Yagwake. Yeah. It's another Gwake. Right. I've not used that. But it, there's it's another. It's a KDE app. So, yeah. Oh, right. I there use we it go. all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's yet another one simply called Tilda, uh, which has all of the features of Gwake, but it uses more modern underpinnings for managing configuration and such, and it is significantly lighter on memory resources. And oh, I've really? integrated that into Ubuntu Mate 15.04. So when you install Ubuntu Mate 15.04, you zap F12 or tilde, and you get a drop-down terminal all themed and matching the Ubuntu Mate desktop. Well, now so that I would is recommend nice. tilde. Oh, okay. So tilde. Yeah, I saw that also recommended in the subreddit, so I will give a look into that. Yeah, tilde a go. Uh, T-I-L-D-A, and uh, the, the, the site on the source for it does not seem to be working, but I, I'm sure it's in everybody's repo. Uh, and it's also on, guess what? Surprise, surprise. There's also an ArchWiki post about it. Everybody shocked I know, about that? Uh, uh, yeah, shocked and stunned. Yeah, all right. I'll put a link to the GitHub page. Uh, oh, yeah, this is this looks nice. This looks really nice. I'm going to put a, I'll put a link to that in the show notes for people that... Uh, the people that want to grab it. It only runs in five megs of RAM, so I, I like it for that reason. Whoa. Uh, do, you, do you have Part of music or... in the chat room mentions XFCE, drop-down terminal, and Q terminal has a drop-down as well. So there's a couple mm-hmm. more. Okay. I uh, know it. Or, uh, I mean, uh, Wimpy, do you happen to remember what uh, Quake's memory usage was compar- comparatively? Uh, it was several times that. It was about 30 megs. Because it's um, a Python application and it uses the old GCOM for settings and what have you. I'm going to look right now, see if I can. Yeah, I'm 28.6 right now. Are you uh, really yeah. 28 megabytes of RAM? Yeah, 20, it, it bounces in the be, uh, between that and 30. Yeah. All right, I'm. Yeah, I'm, that's, uh, yeah. I'm switching. That's that tears it. That is crazy. I never even thought to to look like look at that. Huh. I pride myself on stripping the stuff down. I'd love to switch. I'm yeah, sorry, what, cool. what was that? You pride yourself on Stri- what? <laughs> I pride myself on stripping. No. I, pri- I pride myself on uh, you know running, <laughs> running down hard to the metal as I can. So I think yeah. I'm going to switch. This looks really cool. Are you still on mate, Matt? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. I, I, I've not looked back. I've I've ta- no, I, I I did elementary kind of lulled me over on one of my um uh, one of, one of my old laptops that I had and it barely runs but you know I got it going you know it's like oh that was cool for about ten minutes and then I kind of you know th- but all my other computers run mate it just just what I do so, so before we get on to uh, Arch Linux ARM right ARM ARM Arch Linux uh, did anybody want to touch on the elementary OS topic I know Rotten Corpse you mentioned you wanted to bring it up so I was going to open the floor I don't. I don't want this to turn into like a, a dog pile thing on, on the project, though. But if there's any follow-up, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Um, well, I don't want to, you know, attack him or anything. But there was a part in the interview where uh, Noah asked him, do you know um, how much has been – how much of the money has been update, have, has been sent to Debian and Ubuntu? Because they were talking about the entire operating system. Yeah. And the answer is nothing. I thought, it was, are, like, I thought it was like a couple hundred dollars or something. No, their bounty source actually bounty source is not really that good of an idea because the concept is it's good but it's also broken because mm-hmm. they you're you're not paying the project you're paying the developer who fixes a particular bug so if someone just comes in and fixes it that just fixes that one bug and you're paying for that bug but that that doesn't even mean that that bug is a really good fix and that the project will even take the fix so not they don't get the money and they don't maybe don't even get the fix in the first place. But there has only been like roughly. There's like okay, GTK got like thirty five well, bucks. Don't you feel and like Gnome this is kind like of 50. like saying the the poor people aren't donating to to people more? Like I mean, they're 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 they're, cur- they're clearly saying they're not making enough money as it is. Well, no, no they, they made. Well, they allow themselves to call other people cheers for not contributing. Well, also, and it's not that they don't have the money. It's because they spent $1,300 fixing bugs in Pantheon files. I mean, if they just gave anything at all to Ubuntu or Debian, that'd be fine. It's not, it's not about the money anyway. It's, it's the fact that they say that they don't know when they do know, and it's nothing. And also that they are still claiming that, for, their, for one, they're claiming that they're asking for money for the entire operating system, which they're not actually putting money into the entire operating system. They're also saying that we're, you're not cheating us; you're cheating open source. So implying that not paying for elementary is somehow cheating the entire open source ecosystem, and that's just absurd. Ww, as a user of the OS, you wanted to chime in. 
yeah, you can consider me an S user. I'm going to move to Kubuntu. I've I've talked to the Mumble Room throughout the week in depth about this since even before this happened, and I've talked to some devs that have tried to contribute to the project and been spurned away. And I'm just I'm just kind of done with what I what I've seen the um, how the community has been managed, like Eric has said in the past, and things like that. I'm just going to move on to something else and maybe even think about getting more technical knowledge on Linux to do my own distro eventually or do contribute more to other distros. So well, that's actually good. So Derek Devlin, I mean, he would love to cap this entire thing off, but now some rumor mongering. Go ahead, Derek Devlin. Good, good, no. Let us know. No, go ahead. I think this is perfect. <laughs> I like rumors. I'm just saying, guys, it has been a while. The problem is mostly the people. Apparently the looks are good. The technicalities could be improved, and the problem is on the social aspect. I see a forthcoming. Mm, we'll, see. we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think this distribution, what it is, is that it, what we're watching is uh, can can uh, can a distribution be led by truly just led by ultimate ultimate design? And uh, if you uh, if that is the distribution's purpose, and you fork it, and you don't have those people, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, what's the point? But we'll see. I'd be really. I would be skeptical. If I would what, be skeptical. well. One possibility, and this is horrible, and I hate myself for even mentioning this, but I think one possibility that could happen is someone forks it and essentially waits for elementary to do a UI update, and then they say, oh, that's great, and we take the, they take the code, they update it to their fork, and they sit there. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah, and that happens. I, that's how I see them overcoming the design thing. It's a horrible thing, but, you know, karma's a beyond. Oh. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe the fork becomes the, the upstream, and they start sending, sending package, uh, patches and stuff up to them. Ah, you, never, yes. you never know. It could happen. But the other thing is, it's I, just one more thing is that people typically are saying that, why are you getting mad at people wanting for money? And no one's doing that. It's not about the money. If they ask for money, great, feel free. If they sell it for money and they don't actually give out binaries for free, that's fine. There's a lot of dishes that already do that. I don't care. It's not about that. It's about them uh, telling people that they are doing something wrong when they're actually just doing what they said they could do. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's well, a communicate. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. a messaging thing that they'll work on. Uh, and this and, is what I point to when they say, we don't need community managers. Oh, yes, you do. Well, oh, I, yes, I, you do. I, I thought, like, you, it, it yeah. seemed to provoke a, you had an interesting piece over at Datamation. People should go check out yeah. boutique yeah. distributions. It kind of fits in with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So check mm-hmm. out Matt's article over at datamation.com. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so we got to we got to let's let's talk about Arch and Arm here for a sec. I mean, this is come come on, come on. So this is why we're gathered here today. So uh, real quick, I'll mention our next sponsor, and then we'll do that. Digital Ocean. Head over to Digital Ocean right now. And and but guess what? I, you can go over there, and I'm going to give you something that makes you a little special. So you're not like all those other people that are visiting Digital Ocean. It's a popular website. It gets some traffic, but you, my friend, you have the unique promo code of power. D O unplugged one word lowercase ten dollar credit over there. You're going to be one of the few, the elite, that has that and supports our show when they go over to DigitalOcean.com. And what is DigitalOcean? DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. Users can get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 per month. They get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte, terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. But boy, let me tell you. Oh, just go over there and check this out. This is a masterpiece in design right there. Speaking of good design, it's DAT interface. Mm, it's intuitive control panel, and you can replicate that functionality on a much larger scale because DigitalOcean has an API, and it's a good API, son. I'm saying it's a good one, and people are already taking advantage of it because it's so good. You know when something's good, people use it, like DigitalOcean and their great API. So there's a lot of great apps you can just take advantage of right now that make it even more powerful, like command line stuff for your Linux box, applets for your Ubuntu menu, Shoot, they probably got scopes. Who knows? Go check it out. You can write your own. You, you could write the first Ubuntu phone scope. Oh, my gosh. You should do this, actually. You should go over to DigitalOcean and write a scope for the Ubuntu Touch phone thingy to manage your droplet. That would be so awesome because they got a straightforward API. You can do that. You can manage your systems. you got your DNS management, your snapshots, your one-click installations, all through this crazy great interface, all sitting on top of Linux, powered by KVM, all riding on top of SSD drives so that way you get that I.O. performance then connected to tier one bandwidth it is an amazing package and you can try it out two months for free when you use the promo code do unplugged i love it uh we're going to tell you more about our super cool uh uh video conferencing system that we built for last that's all fancy hd great audio quality high fidelity 
Oh, yeah? All powered by digital ocean droplets. We'll tell you more about it in an upcoming episode. And it's like when I go to deploy some infrastructure on Linux now, this is just where I go. It's so fast. It's so great. The value's there, and it's all under one account. DigitalOcean.com, DO Unplugged when you check out. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. All right. So uh, let's bring in Warhead here. Hey, Warhead, welcome to uh, the Linux Unplugged show. Uh, and uh, first of all, uh, start with your first name because I don't want to just have you on the Internet known as Warhead. And uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Don't worry, I've already been known around the internet for about 10 years as Warheads anyways. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. My actual name is Jason Plum, Okay, and I'm one of the core developers. Well, Jason, uh, I'm really glad you could make it because uh, this is getting to be a pretty interesting category, and it's one that we want to spend a little more time talking about from time to time on the Unplugged show. And maybe we could start, could you give us a little background on uh, the Arch Linux ARM project, like when it's been around and uh, anything like that that you care to share with us? Yeah, sure. So... In uh, 2009, before I was actually involved with the project, uh, a little thing that some of you may have heard of called the Shiva plug came out of the market. Oh, yeah. And at the time, the only thing you could get was Debian and a particularly aging version of Debian at the time as well. And then after that, a commercial piece called the Pogo plug came out of the market after that. And you had a very specific Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. set of chains and everything went out of date rather horribly fast. But at the same time, people went... This box literally is the same thing as the Shiva box, and I can get it for a reasonable price. Mm. What if I can run the full-blown Linux instead of just what they gave me? Mm. Right, and that's where the original project of OpenPogo came along. That was where you would have our binaries that would you would use on that through uh, and originally a mix through IPKs, so it was sort of in the Debian behavior, and then we became plug block plug box in uh, early 2010, and that's when we actually became officially a, a port of Arch to the ARM architecture. Uh, and at the time, we only had ARM v5 support. Now, this isn't necessarily... So how, could you help me understand the relationship between uh, uh, Arch Linux ARM and Arch Linux? It's Because it's, it's not officially part of Arch. Is that correct, or am I wrong? No, you're very much correct. We are not the same distribution. If you go to their forums and ask about our stuff, they will point you at us. And if you ask us about NVIDIA, we will point you at them. Um, either which way, neither one of us knows how to fix those proprietary bits if we aren't familiar with it. It's mm. <laughs> just kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually got our name as it is today in early 2011. And before we did that, we got permission from the Arch Linux team and everybody involved there to use the name Arch Linux appropriately and contacted ARM and got their rights to actually use the ARM name and the logo, obviously unaltered, so we can actually call ourselves and label ourselves Arch Linux ARM. So we are a complete port that is separate from Arch Linux, but we derive 90% of our package builds directly from the ABS trees. AUR, etc., and then anything that we do differently, we put into our GitHub. Okay, so that sounds pretty actually pretty clean and pretty manageable, really, from like uh, from a standpoint of somebody on my side. And, and Wimpy, you wanted to kind of mention something up from the Arch developer side. Yeah, when when I was was first working on the Mate packages for Arch Linux, I was aware that um, Alarm take the packages from the ABS tree and cross-compile them and build them into their repository. So, and it's still running here. I've got four uh, alarm boxes running in a cluster here mm-hmm. that were doing that initial building work. And I built all of my packages on ARM to make sure when I released them into the official repository, they'd, they'd build cleanly and just flow into Arch Linux ARM. Um, and I know other developers are mindful of that and do some testing um, before they l- release things. And there's there's good bug reporting coming back the other way from the alarm team into the Arch bug tracker if we release something that doesn't right. build on, on ARM. Very good. So, uh, Warhead, what would be – so this is when, when I told a few folks that we were going to be chatting with you on the show today. They said – this is the response I got is, oh, why would you run Arch on an ARM device? Like, what's the advantage there? And so, Warhead, what are some typical use cases for Arch on there? Okay, so what's the biggest problem that you see with an Ubuntu install? From somebody who has used Arch, and you know that when you install Ubuntu out of the box, what's the biggest difference between 
an Ubuntu or a Fedora 20, etc., so and a, a base Arch install. <laughs> it's not even necessarily the age. It's no, the it's, sheer amount of decisions big. that have been yeah. made for you. Yeah, 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 of course. Sure, but couldn't you say, I mean, there's other, there's ways of paring that down. There's things coming along. Yes. Is it not the rolling nature that is appealing to some people? Is that not part of it? No, the rolling nature and the being able to keep up with upstream packages at the speed at which Arch itself can keep up with those is definitively the advantage of being able to run Arch on an ARM device, especially where you have kernels that are evolving at a weekly pace. Right. We have some of our devices that are actually running RC kernels that get rebuilt every time Linus tags. Hmm. Yeah, and this area is and under rapid have, development. It, it is, it is in ridiculously rapid development. And now we're finally getting manufacturers to listen to us and begin doing the mainline work. Marvell was traditionally a problem in that area, and they've mm. been kind enough to listen to us after several years of going, please, 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 can you try? Uh, and they've enlisted the help of the guys over at Free Electrons, and that's where you see a lot of the Marvell tree, the and the EBU architecture stuff, coming in from their work. That's fascinating. And so, has it been just the size of the community over time has gotten larger? Has it been the persistence that you think has made them start listening? What has changed that uh, attitude on their part? As more consumers get the devices, and say somebody gets a, an older. Android tablet that they they can now run Linux on. Um, now, tablets being a really special case yeah. because of the nature of the drivers. But uh, the Pogo plugs, the NAS devices that you may have floating around the office or have given to one of your clients in the past, the various other things that are available, I mean, the entire generations of the Beagle boards, the Beagle bones, of course, the Raspberry Pi 1 and 2, the entire Odroid line, everything that Olamex makes, I cannot leave them out. They have created a demand in a market space that didn't exist before. And previously, you were, as a manufacturer, working almost exclusively with corporate. And you're dealing with things that are going to be put in place and then maintained at their state and then replaced in the near future. Hmm. Whereas now you're getting a consumer device who, generally speaking, these are people that are technical and they want to go and see, hey, how well can I make this work in a low-power environment, be that from a power usage standpoint or a low CPU power, you know, which way do they want to look at that aspect? And they're realizing that to really keep up with the Linux world, they can't sit in the dark ages and just plug their ears. <laughs> and uh, I, and Mumbo, if anybody has any questions for our guest, tag me Mum in the chat room. Uh, I, uh, I guess what I wanted to kind of uh, get out of you is I, I'm trying to uh, – I'm still trying to place all of this in, in, in my world, in context of my world. And so I'm curious from you, Warhead, what is sort of one of your uh, favorite implementations of an Arch ARM-powered uh, – maybe it's a server, maybe it's, a, it's powering a, a, a combat robot. I don't know. But could you give me an example of an implementation where you've been like, that is a great use of that technology? I may set the mumble room off, but I do know of at least three drones that are running us. Hey! There you um, go. <laughs> Personally, I have a Zycel NAS uh, 325 under my desk that runs the lighting control inside my house, runs MPD that streams out to my Chromecasts, and is one of my primary sources to feed my Chromecasts through my Plex. That's pretty neat. And uh, Rotten Corpse, you had a you had wants to be on ring for noobs. Yeah, um, is is a, is the Arch Linux package in, or the uh, structure in the noobs for Raspberry Pi? Is that an alarm build? The original images were made by us. Uh, the foundation was not able to keep up. We issued a new image on a monthly basis, and they generally updated the image every three months. And at that point, it was a month behind every time. So now we are only available through the net installer type, which uses a download to get the tar to actually do the install. So that's why we don't make SD card image files anymore. Because their CDN apparently couldn't update fast enough. <laughs> but the, the there's the, the noobs has uh, an install, doesn't it? The, there is now a net install noobs SD card image, yes. But okay. the, the here's my noobs image that has all the distro bits on it, no. We are no longer a part of that image. Oh, okay. Okay, very good. So, Warhead, if I'm listening at home and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I want to start playing with this. I know I can get a device that's not too much money. I could load Linux on there. Uh, what's your favorite? What's, are you recommending people grab the Raspberry Pi? What do you tell people to try if they're going to jump into this? 
I think it really depends on what exactly they want to learn. What are they already familiar with when it comes to Linux? Um, personally, if you want something low power that has all the options that you want to be able to get to, the Odroid C1 is an awesome choice. If you want to learn about how all the components interact and maybe can take some of your knowledge from uh, Arduino and immediately apply it over into running with Linux and having all the GPIO and SPI access that's very direct and has a lot of existing documentation through mm. sites like Adafruit, etc., then the Pi and the Pi 2 are possible options. But if you're looking for sheer capability, the Odroid line currently outclasses everyone on the market except for the Chromebooks. Ah, yeah, I'm noticing in your forums, it seems like a lot of people like the Odroid. A lot of people using that in there. So yeah, good Well, tip. you get a very performant device, and they come with the capability of using eMMC 5.0, which is a ridiculously fast storage medium. Um, the Raspberry Pi 1 and 2 have the same SD controller that runs at the same speed. Ah. And also the Ethernet is, is, is much faster on the C1 as well. <laughs> yeah, because it's actually attached to a bus designed for Ethernet. Ah, big, big difference then. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people talking about the C1, C1 on the uh, archlinuxarm.org forum. So it looks like that. Looks yeah, like the, the Odroid C1 hits the price point of the Raspberry Pi. Um, even if you take the direct comparison between the Raspberry Pi 2 and the C1 yeah. that have been done all over the place on the net at this point, yeah. it definitely comes down to exactly what you want to do with it. There are some things in which the Raspberry Pi does win. Unfortunately, most of our users would prefer the performance and behavior that you get out of the C1. Yeah, that makes sense. And it seems like that would be a good, way, a good way to go if you want support from the community too. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, it, Again, it's, it's all which way you want to go, but yeah. Warhead, uh, thank you for the fascinating insights. I mean, I'm, all just, I'm just kind of getting you know, my head wrapped around all of this, and I appreciate any kind of info. Is there anything you want to touch on before we run? Yeah, just remember that it's not Arch Arm, it's not Arm Arch, right. it is Arch Linux Arm. If you want to abbreviate, it's Alarm. Alarm, Arch Linux Arm or Alarm, I like it. And I'll put a link to the uh, to the board you were talking about up on your uh, on your site there. Well, check in with us from time to time and keep us up to date on cool uh, uh, developments and stuff. That's well, the appropriate people know how to reach me. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Well, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, one of these days, one of these days, I'm actually going to get around to setting up a Raspberry Pi in here because I have one. From the same person who got in touch with you. Hmm. It's a little, a little birdie. Yeah, I think you have a U3 floating around somewhere, too. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Oh, oh, oh I guess, uh, and mandatory, I should ask you, uh, where do you want folks to go to find out more about the project? Oh, that's very simple. ArchLinuxArm.org. There you go, ArchLinuxArm.org, and we will have a link in the show notes. I might also put a link uh, to uh, Jason's blog in there and uh, the uh, team link on the wiki as well all right well uh, warhead you sir are more than welcome to stick around we're going to uh shoot the uh the breeze on the uh, first actual sandbox linux application that seems to be portable but first i'm going to tell you about my cell phone provider and that's ting go to linux.ting.com right now won't you and support this show you also get a 25 dollars discount off your first ting device or a 25 dollars credit ting is mobile that really does make sense no more contracts no more no more termination fees six dollars a month and then you just pay for your usage. They have an amazing dashboard that kicks every single other dashboard. Or Those other guys don't even have dashboards, so I guess I don't even call them that. They're, they're crappy little slow websites that are horrible and seem like they're designed for Internet Explorer. Don't even hold a candle to what Ting can do. So not only does Ting have the best dashboard out there, it kicks all their butts. They've also got no-hold customer service. They've got a whole great range of devices. They're unlocked. They're adding GSM support, so they're going to have CDMA and GSM support by the end of the month. They're rolling out a beta program right now. You can go pre-order an iPhone 6 or get yourself a fancy uh, one of them. I, I think I think myself, the new Moto X2 looks really sweet. Anyways, they've got a whole range of devices. Seriously, I want you to go over to Ting and check them out. They are an amazing company, and where your money should go because think about this if they're doing this and they're putting pressure on the big guys and if we can get them to keep putting pressure on the big guys that's good for the entire damn mobile industry and one of the things i'd like to recommend you check out from time to time is the ting blog they have stuff posted up there all the time and this is really a great way to get sort of insights into the company and they just recently re refined a few feet a few details on their bring your own device program and they have those changes up on their blog again no contract, no other termination fee. You only pay for what you use. And they also have an early termination relief program if you're stuck on a contract right now. It's flat $6 for the month. Then it's just your usage on top of that. No whole customer service. Go check them out at linux.ting.com. I've been using them for over two years, and I'm even more excited than ever as a customer now that they're rolling out GSM because when I go to events and stuff like that, I'm just going to use whichever network works best. 
And I know Ting's going to have that super dialed in. Linux.ting.com supports this show and gets you a discount off your first device. Thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged show. And thanks to you guys for supporting our sponsor. So the first fully uh, sandboxed Linux desktop app was showed off this week. It's pretty exciting. It has a few requirements. No X11. Right there. Totally Mm. impossible if you have X11. Cannot do it. It cannot be secured enough. Got to have Wayland. Uh, and they also have to have KD bus, which means you got to have a super modern kernel and uh, totally up to date systemd to allow desktop integration to po- fully be filtered down to the kernel level. Uh, so re- recently, using the big strides made in Wayland, loaded on Fedora 21, we can start to see some true, genuine sandboxing. And uh, this is over on Alexander Larson's blog. He's a developer, and right here he's going to start on a Fedora workstation, a build of Neverball running inside an absolute minimal sandbox. It is absolutely independent of the host distribution, has no access to any system or user files other than the ones from the runtime and the application itself, has no access to hardware devices other than DRI for GL rendering because that's what's been allowed, no network access, uh, can only get input via Wayland, can only show graphics via Wayland, can only do audio out via Pulse Audio, and, of course, all the other benefits of sandboxing, like can't touch other stuff on the file system. And as you would expect, as he starts it up, he builds the container right here. So he's just done, he's just done all of that. And uh, now he's about to fire it up. And he runs it from the GNOME launcher. And from the GNOME launcher, it starts up in a sandbox environment. And now he's playing Neverball in a sandbox. That and, is so wild. And in theory, he could pick this up and move it wow. to another distribution. If they had that- all of the same things, like Wayland... KD bus, system D, uh, and all of that. It is so crazy, Chown, to think back to when we had the whole monkey suit bet and all that and where all things are evolving to now yeah. um, with Wayland and everything and what Wayland's making possible. Well, uh, that's what I found really striking about the entire thing is that this is possible like almost before all of this technology is laid down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's like here we're gonna do we're we're gonna do KD bus. I mean, obviously you couldn't ship this today. But it's getting no. close. Uh, Popey, go ahead. You were something. On, what do we get wrong? Something on the details. What, what's the matter? No, no. Uh, I'm I'm confused as to how this is the first, given the Unity Next desktop ISO that's been around for months has had siloed applications like this already. So I'm confused how this is the first. This is the first one of the. This is the first one of the kind of version that we've been talking about for several episodes. Like this, this whole gnome. Start with the gnome application, go all the way down to the kernel sandboxing. Right. Which we have on Ubuntu, uh, which is why I'm confused why this is the first fully sandboxed Linux desktop app when... No, no, I'm not... I guess I didn't mean to make it sound like it's the only one. I mean, this is the one... This is the. This is what we've been talking about for a few weeks that's going to be coming, and now it's... Right, so I don't, it's the first I don't know one using about. this implementation. Yes, yes. Yeah, you, gotcha. using Wayland in, under context, using uh, and using KD bus and, and using KD bus, and all, yep. all that. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure it's nice that they chose sure, uh, Popey, that I'm game. Sure, actually, I'm sure Ubuntu's is very nice, Popey. I'm sure. I'm sure lots of people use it. <laughs> <laughs> How does it? Is it now? Is the sandboxing under? Is it Ubuntu? Is it legitimate sandboxing or is it App Armor in, uh, enforced profiles? It's App Armor. So that's not really sandboxing. Why not? Well, if you li- go through the ind- go through the steps that he's got there, no access to system files, check. No right. access to hardware devices, but check. No network access, check. How it's actually done, though, like the way so so the app armor is things happen. It's checked against a set of rules and then denied. Whereas in sandboxing, those things just don't even exist for the application. I mean, it's not really. I mean, implement at the end of the day, it's kind of the same thing. But fundamentally, like the application under app armor can be aware that there is a device out there. It just is denied access to that device. Whereas a sandboxed application would be completely unaware that there's even a hardware device to begin with. Mm, I think you're splitting hairs, but I suppose. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I app armor. I mean, if you wanted, if, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to say that, you could say SUSE had sandboxing ten years ago when they first shipped at uh, open, open SUSE, or when they first shipped uh, SUSE Enterprise. With with app armor, I mean that's not. Uh, it's interpretation of a definition. I, at the end of the day, I'm kind of uh, leaning with where Chris I, is at, I, in I, that yeah, yeah, I mean, one one's missing these things, and another one's comparing them based on rules. That seems like a fairly distinct way, thing. How we label them, we could label one, uh, you know, a Pepsi Challenge one, and then Pepsi Challenge two. Just kind of put I'll that out the there. I'll tell you the difference. The reason why I'm talking about this one is because this is the first one where you could see this. This is something you could pick it up and move it between distros. Right, you don't have to have app armor profiles. It's not it's not Ubuntu specific. This would move. You could pick this up and have the same stack on an Archbox and and run uh, Neverball in, on the Arch desktop. And that's kind of the big piece. There. Interesting. Right. Yeah. 
So I, mean, I don't know if now, now the question is how do you deliver that? But I, I don't yeah, know. yeah. And it's all up in the air. Point, who knows? I mean, dependent on a lot of technologies as well, though. Yeah. Which need to yes. be there. Yeah. Not, not as widespread yet. Very nascent technologies right now. Yeah. So I think uh, I think it's interesting to watch, but I think like like you're saying, it's not going to be probably not even this year, maybe because you figure there's no way you're going to get out in the next couple of distro release cycles. No way. So it's, it's, no. If you think of it in terms of distro release cycles, it's a ways out. It's not coming. Well, and this particular implementation is, as you put, you know, it's, it's a ways out. Where Ubuntu's implementation and their vision of, of doing essentially, you know, their vision of it is available to everyone now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some benefits there, too. You could go app armor up your Ubuntu rig Absolutely. right now. Yeah. You betcha. Uh, and I, you know, I, I also, just from somebody who had to implement uh, app armor and SE Linux, I always found app armor to be a little easier to use, but. Yeah, I have. I, I actually prefer it. Yeah. So. And better branding. Hey, uh, yes. one, one, oh, last, is, one last story that just uh, – because every now and then I like to prove that uh, Richard Stallman uh, was absolutely right and we probably should have been listening to RMS all along. <laughs> you yeah. laugh, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, you know, I, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. No, uh, did you hear about the <laughs> equation group where uh, the Kaspersky, Kaspersky Labs, Kaspersky, the Kaspersky Kaspersky. Labs guys over in Moscow uh, have uh, pinned uh, hard, hard drive firmware-based malware – Square on Ooh. the nose of the NSA, and uh, it kind of makes uh, Richard Stallman's point that all of the firmware in your machine should be free. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I yes. agree with his vision. That's just the implementation that I have concerns about. But uh, now, in defense of his vision, he's been spot on for a while. I mean, like, really spot on. But, okay. I, ju- I just wish there was a way to give him uh, another spokesman maybe in front of him that is how more though, presentable to the companies. How can I, don't we, know. I, mean, I mean, even Richard Stallman has to use a hard drive. How can, right, exactly. How can you, how can you like... How can we, as just regular, like, just humans, how can we possibly think about the firmware in every single device? Like, can't, can't be done. And that's the problem. That's the rub. Is is you're basically forced into, um, you know, uh, living living in a cabin in the woods and just saying screw everything, or you know, basically accepting a certain level of it. And I say accepting with a, uh, a shudder. I hate the idea myself, but you know, there's a certain level of we're here, and unfortunately, our our ability. All we can do is make everyone know know about it, and hopefully, folks will gripe enough that something will happen. Maybe enough open source projects will get together and create a multi billion dollar company that can start reproducing these pieces of hardware without that stuff. I don't know. Mm. I wish it would happen. I really do. But I, I just have concerns that it may be too late. I, I hate to say that, but you know what I mean? Derek Devlin, but, you wanted to chime in with something? Yes. Uh, one is uh, once it becomes a company and the, uh, the suggestion Matt just gave, uh, it becomes usually tied or to responsibilities to a government. So it, it may just result into the same thing again. Could, but could, yeah. that said... There is another thing that uh, I sometimes really wonder is we campaigned so much because what, there was a potential. Was that campaign an open eyes, uh, an opening of eyes of the actual potential and right. then leveraging that? Did it, did, did, did it uh, make them aware of it? <laughs> yes, because it's like Richard <laughs> no, that's, that, that, that's mission good. in like 30 years. It's yeah. more than 30 years yeah. that he has yeah. been with his mission. And this, for example, this project is 14 years. So it's off. It's a baby. That's funny. That's a good catch. I don't think so. I think they're probably pretty clever to figure out on their own, but that is sort of funny, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you had a time machine, the way to prevent massive NSA surveillance would be to make RMS uh, not out there warning of it. That's a great. That'd be a great Linux nerd novel, right there. I think that would With be time right? travel yeah. and dinosaurs, and you got yourself a seller, <laughs> dude. RMS fan fiction. Why is this not a thing? <laughs> I think it, I think it has to become one. Uh, okay, so one last uh, little public service announcement before we run. So uh, as we talked about, and uh, I got to tell you, uh, I maybe I'm going to have to go find myself some anxiety medications. It's going to be it's dramatic, but as we said, next week is the Beard Apocalypse. And so your Linux Unplugged show episode 81 will be a retro extravaganza of your best of moments. But don't worry. See, these new uh, – these are it's new in a way. It's stuff you've seen, your favorite moments, but now available with the self-gratifying feature that we've just implemented known as hindsight. So now you can listen to the things we said with that smug hindsight and uh, nail everything we say. <laughs> nails for it. Uh, so we're just going to do that next week because of the beard apocalypse, uh, and then we'll, we'll be back uh, in full force uh, with the show in uh, episode 82. But it's going to be a good episode because they're all the ones that you guys submitted a while ago when we did the best of uh, for the holiday season. There were so many, and we threw out a bunch, of they're like, wait a minute, these... 
these are really good. We should use these again. We're like, what would we ever use these for? We're not going to do a best of. We're never going to take a week right. off. And then Rika's yeah. like, actually, um, yeah, I got to leave, and nobody's going to be here to edit, and that's the weekend of scale. So, uh, And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe a best of would be a good idea. And so it's not a best of. It's a retro look back. I don't know what the difference is other than it's slightly different wording. Branding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Matt, so you get to take next Tuesday off, but tune in and uh, listen to all the crazy things you said as like, you know, homework or something, okay? Sounds good. Sounds good. And uh, go check out Matt's article over Datamation. It was a great article about bo- the uh, danger or risk, I guess, of b- boutique Linux distributions. And I was like, yeah, totally nailed it, totally nailed it. And you could also comment. Come over, join us live on Tuesdays over jblive.tv. Hang out in the mumble room, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for the local time. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for this week's episode. Join us next week for episode 81 when we have the retro-flavored edition of Unplugged. We should do. Uh, we got to get like a special group of people sending like a, a runs Linux in the field. We need more runs Linux in the field. Yes. So if anybody's yes, that out would there, be cool. when you're traveling or something, take a picture. I'll even accept a selfie if it's in front of a Linux machine. Send it into Linux Action Show JupiterBroadcasting.com with runs Linux in the subject. Cool. I'll have to get you an aerial picture. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I need to get up to Ferndale and see. I've been meaning to do this for a while. I need to get up to Ferndale and see Jed because he's got he's got oh, lots yeah. of runs Linux oh, yeah, up there. There you go. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be some really cool stuff. A lot of heavy networking. Armed with arch, that? sound the alarm. Those are good. JBTitles.com. Yeah. Do you see that American um, prison where they're learning development on Linux? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. Yes, yes, yes I did. That's, That's pretty awesome. You know, well, it's Honestly, less shanking, look, more it's typing. One thing it's good. we don't have to pay for to educate people on the systems to be able to do something when they get out. Oh, we're paying. There you for go. It. Trust me, you're paying for it. Yeah. Oh no, we're paying for them to be there, but we're not paying to teach them to run an OS they don't have to pay for in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I'm the open source Regis. <laughs> That's what Regis is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, love, I like that. Hey, too. that beard apocalypse music is perfect because I did have a small heart attack when you played it. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Your heart just drops into your, your feet. It's like, oh. Yeah, I'm going to be playing a uh, special edition of uh, Women's Tech Radio uh, today on the stream oh, a cool. little bit. Uh, and, uh, 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 you know, there's some people, they've been interviewing some ladies on there that are big time Linux users. Like one of the, one of the, one of the gals they interviewed was a system, uh, big system D fan. I was like, what? Really? Oh, they started talking about system D. I'm like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Didn't expect that. That's cool. Yeah. I was just at a play, uh, lug meeting last night where a Gen 2 developer was talking about system D. Uh oh. Uh-oh, here it comes. It's moving on. Dun, dun, dun. And if it, if it, if it got to the Ubuntu project, you know it's going to eventually get to Gen 2. Those guys that are Ubuntu. Oh, no. If, if Gen 2 start talking about System D, we're going to have another System D flame war in oh, the yeah. Gen 2 community. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting to see that. We just want to get the Gen 2 one. They do have it separated <laughs> out, so you can actually replace OpenRC at the time yeah. to be able to do that now. Yeah. So you can actually replace OpenRC or just install SystemD's binaries so that you can manage remote items through SystemD, journal control, machine control, etc. So, I mean, they're using bits and pieces of it from the user land. You can use it as the init. You don't have to, etc. Uh, ZFS for the winds just posted in the chat room about these bloody HP. Right, the so here's the the final report hp we, is amazing hp are oh, they are uh i don't have the words actually i don't have the the derogatory superlative that su- sums up their incompetence um sufficiently so after done. after trying to place the order four times oh. and and them and them cancelling it twice okay, okay. so on two occasions they cancelled the order we placed, so we were like, "Right, enough of that nonsense. We'll um, we'll just cancel the accessories order, and we'll we'll find something else." My boss has been off in Singapore for three weeks doing some business down there, and of course, you've got every vendor imaginable has got storefront 
you know uh shops down there so he's been able to go around the bazaars and have a look at everything and actually touch it feel it play mm. with it mm. and and he's come to the right conclusion he's he's bought himself a brand new uh thinkpad x1 carbon yeah so you that's, liked what it, huh? that's what he's that's what he's got and that's what he's traveling back with and i think this is a very wise decision and then today we we get an email from Hewlett Packard saying our order has been dispatched, and then and then moments later, this fuck mothering HP fourteen Z turns up at the office. <laughs> just like, really? Are you serious? Two and a half weeks after you cancelled the order, and the things just turned up, and they've billed us for it. It's just it's how long like, after the email the was gift. that? This is two and a half weeks after they they did the the, the last order that they cancelled. Um, no, as in you said they sent an email, sent an email saying it was dispatched. How oh, long yeah, after the, that? Oh, um, moments. Uh, moments you could after. Count it knock in on minutes. the door. Yeah, yeah. Knock on you the door. Count it in minutes. Here's your HP. Yeah. So it's really been the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> 